1: Hello, everybody. I'm Thurl Bailey, and welcome to Thurl Talk. As we all know, the NBA playoffs are in full effect, and the Utah Jazz right now are at the top of that heap, winning the first round against the Memphis Grizzlies. Pretty exciting first round of the playoffs for them. Um, Today, we might be talking a little bit about playoff basketball with our guests, but This episode is dedicated to uh, a great friend of mine who not only did I lose, but the, the basketball world lost, Utah lost, and the world in general lost a great man on May 28th of 2021, Mark Eaton. Mark Eaton and I played nine years together with the Utah Jazz, and I thought the best way to honor him would be to celebrate his life and his career. So today, I'm going to be inviting former teammates and even a couple of opponents who played against Mark to talk about this great man. Mark and I Got to know each other. My first year with the Utah Jazz, drafted fresh out of North Carolina State University after an NCAA championship. Uh, Utah Jazz drafted me in the first round, seventh pick. And I was so excited to be in the NBA. And I came to Utah. And as green as ever. When I say green, I mean nervous. I was 6'11", all all 6'11", 200 and... 10 pounds of me coming into a man's league, wondering if I could not just make it, but last. And, uh, and I thought I was going to be coming into a winning situation. But when I first got here, there were a couple of guys that approached me, and one of them was a seven foot four giant. And I had played against some of the, the great centers in collegiate basketball probably the most notable Hakeem Olajuwon in that championship game in 1983. When I first met Mark Eaton, I was a little taken back because I had never seen such a huge human being before. But he came up to me and he put that heavy arm around me and he welcomed me to the team. And he warned me that uh, he said, I know you're used to winning, you're just coming off a championship, congratulations. But uh, I'm not sure you, you you should expect that your first year here. So I think we're going to have a pretty good team and you're going to be an important part of it. But um, we've got a lot of work to do. And I remember just looking up at him. I wasn't used to doing that to people, looking up at him and and first of all, noticing that, You know, this guy could be a really good friend. The way he approached me, the way he's talking to me, uh, I'm going to be okay here. I'm going to be okay. I got to know Mark very well as a teammate. He protected my butt so many times out there on the basketball court. And uh, I remember so many times, not just me (laughs) getting beat by my man, but Some of the most prominent words were, help me, help me. And everybody knew who we were talking to, talking to Mark Eaton. Because he would, even at the cost of his own play that game, getting in foul trouble, he would always help his teammates out. And you're going to hear a lot of that from other teammates that played with him and what a force he was in this league. Personally, I really got to know him after both of our careers ended. Uh, I got into the speaking arena and uh I remember getting a phone call from Mark asking me about you know how I entered that arena who I who who could he call to maybe get some tips other than myself and that started in motion what would be a great great speaking career for Mark Eaton. So today we're going to celebrate Mark and his accomplishments, uh, his love for people, and, uh, and his friendship. So I'm glad you're with us. And uh, just want you to hang in there. hope you enjoyed this. Stay tuned. And we'll be back with our first guest. Welcome back, everybody. This is Thurl Bailey, and welcome back to Thurl Talk. Uh, my first guest today, you know, we could spend hours on on his accolades as a basketball player, um, he wouldn't want that. And and he understands that this day is not about us, but Adrian Dantley is with us today. And, and I had the pleasure and the honor of being able to play with Adrian here in Utah for the Utah Jazz for several years. Adrian, how are you, my man?
2: Doing fine, doing fine. Well, not that fine. You know, sorry to hear about the, bad news about Mark, Uh, you know, uh, for some reason I've been thinking about him all week. It's just a sad thing to happen to a a, a really, what you would call a really great guy.
1: He was a great guy, and before we dive into Mark, I I want to catch up with you, and I know you've probably been watching uh, the NBA playoffs, and Game has changed tremendously since we played, but still. Yeah, ain't. a
2: lot of threes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just think if if
2: a lot, lot of lot of bad threes. <laughs> Utah take
1: good threes though. <laughs> <laughs> so, to, talk to me a little bit about how you think uh, this Utah Jazz team's been performing. And and you said something before we got on air about the the respect of Utah, or maybe the non-respect <laughs> of Utah
2: just amazing me being here in the East Coast uh, listening to the radio stations and, you know, Utah got a bad rep for some reason. I don't know. They don't like Utah, but they're, I don't know what it is, but they're a very good basketball team. And they play the right way and uh, it's just funny. You know, people don't even mention Utah. I said, they're, they're the good the team in the West. <laughs> it's funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, AD, I appreciate you coming on and Um, we want to celebrate the life and career of of Big Mark Eaton. When I came, I just told our listening audience, when I came in in uh, 83, 84, you guys were trying to to build something here. And uh, I kind of fell in with this group of guys who uh, you know, were legends in my mind. Um, But talk to me about those years before I got I mean, I know you—you had—you had been playing for a while, right? Drafted by the Buffalo Braves, and and then spent some time in Indiana and in LA, and then came came through Utah. Talk to me about those early years of the Jazz, um, and when you first became acquainted with with Big Mark Eaton.
2: Well, I'm trying to remember that was 37 years ago. I was thinking of it there. I <laughs> said, "Wow." But I can remember Mark when he came in and we uh, saw how big he was. And uh, he was very conscious of working hard, wanted to do the right thing. And as each year went by, Mark got better and better. And uh, he just improved every year. I can remember when I played games and I played against someone. I would say, you know, you can beat me off the dribble, but I got somebody back there going (laughs) to block all your shots. I would say, (laughs) I I play against someone. So uh, uh, He was very. It's funny. Every time there was on the road, and I might be at a, uh, at the table eating breakfast by myself early in the morning. (laughs) Mark would come in and say, "Can I enjoy? Can I enjoy? uh, uh, Can I eat breakfast with you?" That's the kind of guy he was. I it got to the point that, look, Mark, when you see me eating breakfast down here, don't be coming up to me and asking <laughs> me. And I sit down and eat breakfast with you. Just just come and sit down. You know? But that's what, like you said, that's the type of guy he was. You know, great guy. Conscious of his diet. He might be the one of the guys, like me, he was very, you know, strict diet. Watch what he put in his diet. I mean, watch what he put in his body to be a you know, better basketball player. I can remember we had the weight programs, and uh, Mark—he would be the first guy there, and uh, just would try to work on his craft, you know, just to be a a better player. Uh, every year that, that I was there.
1: Well, I certainly remember those work ethic years, and <laughs> and uh, I don't know if there's was anyone who was more conscious of having his body ready than you and Mark. Um, you know, I came in as a rookie. If you remember, I came in 6'11", weighing about, wearing about 210, 215. And so, you know, you guys helped me understand what it meant to to take care of your body. Let's talk about Mark's career. You know, he he saved, I know he saved my butt many a times. But as you look at the game today and how Mark affected it back then, what are some of those those qualities that Mark had that you don't necessarily see a lot of today, or maybe you do.
2: Well, he was definitely a shot blocker. He, he definitely affected a lot of players in, in, in changing that shot. And he was just a force, uh he was a force on the defensive end. Could he play today? Yeah, he could play today. I mean, you look at Utah when you we, we, Joe Barry, he's inside a lot. He wouldn't shoot threes. In a day. today's game, you got big guys, and you got coaches They want the big and shoot threes and space uh, out the court. But you got certain teams that they do have a big man. Uh, uh, they have him posted up low. It's just a matter of whether Mark could play pick and roll defense, because that's all you see now is high pick and roll. But. Uh, uh, he, he would adjust. Just like all the players that play in that generation, we would adjust the way the game is being played today.
1: So you become a three-point shooter.
2: I'm still not a fan <laughs> of a three-point shooter. <laughs> if a team's, uh, you know, if they go, like Utah take good shots. I mean, but when the team comes down and just jack up as three, it just depends. I mean, you know, like like last night Denver played and, you know, uh, Porter hit his first, you know, six threes. Yeah, but I am a, I'm a fan of the three. I mean, it can change the game. I mean, you look at, you know, a guy from Portland. If he wouldn't hit those threes, they would have lost the game, or they wouldn't win the, you know, two or three overtime. But I am a fan. Yeah, but, uh, I'm not an analytic fan, but uh, but uh, yes, I am a fan of, of the three point shot. No, yeah.
1: most most of us older guys aren't that much into analytics, uh, although you know they have their place. Um, you know, you spent some time. You spent some time in Denver uh, coaching as well. How would you, you know, if you had Mark Eaton on your team in this day and age? Uh, what would be your game plan to use well,
2: him? The, the way they had to use him is this, you know, he, he would definitely screen roll. That's what uh, I did a lot with Mark. When I to get the ball in the wing, he would set a screen. So I got, you know. Got down the middle, Mark would always roll to the basket and I'd restore it to him through the loss. So he would definitely be effective on pick and roll. Yeah, And uh, like I said, it's, he would be effective on the offensive end as far as setting screens, high pick and roll. It's just a question. And now you got so much, you know, when we played, we didn't see, you know, mid, you know, high pick and rolls with the centers. Defending that, that's the thing that coaches always talk about is their big men. Defending the pick and roll, because you got a lot of, you know, you got a guy like Donovan coming off the screen, mean, You got to get out there and defend them. But right. it would be up to the coach to adjust and see how he would use them. You know, just like L&B, L&B from Philadelphia, pick and roll, you know, can he defend the pick and roll? That's the only difference I see in the days players back then that they would have to get used to in the days game.
1: Well as you and know, and I'm
2: sure Mark would adjust it. <laughs>
1: yeah, no question about that. As you well know, as Mark uh, Mark's career wind down, um, he decided he wanted to enter that motivational speaking arena. Uh, he contacted me a few times uh, to to get some pointers. Um, but could you see those qualities in Mark back then? Those kind of leadership qualities that that he Ended up teaching and talking about. Uh, had a book as an author. He wrote a book a few years ago called "The Four Commitments." Oh. Could you could you really pinpoint the fact that Mark was going to become, in in some way, shape, or form, uh, a leader?
2: I'm not surprised that Mark you know did real well after basketball. Not surprised that he would be a motivational speaker. You know. Uh, he Mark was always positive, no matter what. He was always positive. He was positive when you were around him all the time. He was positive, you know, on the basketball court, off the basketball court. So it doesn't surprise me that he he was a leader off the court. And I had heard that he was doing motivational speeches, and I always wondered how, you know, a seven foot four guy, you know, going around making motivational motivational speeches and. How how that, how that would look. I was trying to imagine, you know, just trying to picture how that would look, but that doesn't surprise me. I mean, Mark is a guy that, I mean, you, you, no one didn't, you didn't dislike him. You couldn't get anyone to dislike him. And just hearing the uh, stories about people who met Mark, you know, everybody was positive and just say he was, a you know, just a great guy and sad that this would uh, happen to someone, you know, it at this young age, at
1: the age of, uh, you know, 64. Yeah. Well, A.D., uh, I guess my last question to you, as we celebrate a man who, you know, spent his entire career with the Utah Jazz and was a force to be reckoned with on the court as, as well, um, how, how will you ultimately remember Mark Eaton, the man, And we talked so much about his basketball career and and the force he was there. But how will AD remember the big fella?
2: I remember big fella as a great guy, very nice, very polite to everybody. I can remember sometimes when we would be at the airport and people—you know what people say—you being six foot ten, you know what people say. But he never was negative. He was always a positive person. Always had a smile. It's a, You know, just just a great guy, you know. Unbelievable guy, super guy.
1: Well, A.D., I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you stopping by um, and, and talking about a great friend of ours, a great teammate, and the best to you, man, as we celebrate the great Mark Eaton. Uh, thanks for joining us, A.D. And uh, I'm sure we'll be crossing paths real soon. Good
2: luck, Utah.
1: All right. Thanks, AD. That's Adrian Dantley. Take care. The Hall of Famer, Adrian Dantley, joining us today. Stay tuned. We're going to be back with the great Dr. Duncanstein Daryl Griffith, to talk about the life and times and career of Mark Eaton. We'll be right back.
0: It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison.
1: I'm Thurl Bailey, and you're listening to Thurl Talk. Today, we are celebrating the life and career of a great friend of many, a teammate of mine, Mark Eaton. Uh, Mark was born in Inglewood, California, grew up in in Southern California, and his father, Bud, was a diesel mechanic instructor. His dad stood about six feet, nine inches tall, while his mom was about six feet, and despite his height... Mark was more interested in playing water polo than basketball. Go figure. Uh, When he was a senior at Westminster High School in Orange County, he was about 6'11 and weighed 175 pounds, but he was very uncoordinated, not very muscular, and kind of regulated to a reserve role in the basketball team. Uh, But we all know what he turned out to be as a basketball player, a formidable force in the middle. And I want to introduce our next guest who had an opportunity to play against Mark Eaton. Mr. Eddie Johnson. Eddie, how are you?
3: Earl? I'm doing great, man. And just thanks thanks for having me. Uh, uh, As you well know, man, uh, Mark, I consider him a very good friend. Uh, Obviously a high competitor uh, with me on the court, but... (laughs) Uh just just a tremendous uh individual, man. And so it, it's my pleasure to be on the show.
1: Well, Eddie, you spent what did you spend, seventeen years in the NBA? Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and,
3: and and then and then one year with, in Greece with you. That's right. I
1: remember that. <laughs> I remember those years. Yeah. Fun year too. Just to you know, basketball took us other places, but you started out. What, in, uh, I guess Kansas City slash Sacramento Kings. And then you went to Phoenix, uh, then Seattle to Charlotte. And you talked about Greece at Olympiakos, who was a formidable force in in the Greek League and in international b- basketball and ended up with uh, Indiana and, and Houston. But I remember, Eddie, I mean, if I don't know if there was any other guy in the league that i had to guard that i had to chase around as much as i had to chase you around <laughs> and i know when i see you when i see you i always tell you that i don't think i ever cuz i got i blocked a lot of shots you know i wasn't as good as mark yeah. but i had my share i don't think i ever got to yours i got a fingernail close to it <laughs> but never got to yours yeah.
3: But, you know, Thurl, we, man, I'm telling you, man, we, I mean, we had so much respect for one another when we played and, and, you know, because you were right there front and center with me that I like to motivate myself by talking smack. Yes. And I never talk smack to you. And, you know, it's like in certain people that you just, you know, you, you, I'm not going there. You know, I'm just not going there. I mean, we had our battles, man. We had our confrontations, but, man we had the utmost respect for one another man and and i I don't know, I think I might have played against you uh in Utah more than any team in my career in regards to playoffs and we just we had so much fun man going against each other and, and we both got the best of one another uh in those playoffs at times and but it was just the professionalism man, the respect that we had uh for one another man that I'm always going to remember.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Eddie. I remember those times as well. And before we dive into the big fella, uh, your Phoenix Suns like the Utah Jazz or uh, had a wonderful regular season, amazing regular season, probably one that not a lot of people outside of Phoenix uh, expected. Um, And I know you're heavily in the broadcasting for that that team. Talk to me about uh, what they've been able to achieve uh, this season.
3: Daryl, this is simply amazing, man. And and obviously you're going through it, too, with your team. Uh, You know, because you you see the young players grow. And I've been privy to have my eyes on Devin Booker, uh, you know, since he's coming to the league, man, as a young 19-year-old. And to see where he is now, uh, the growth he has made, the understanding of what it takes to win, uh, the great teammate he is, uh, the great person he is and how he respects the history of the game. And all he wants to do is just to be good. And the frustrations of not making the playoffs and and being considered, yeah, a good player that scores a lot of points, but your team loses and having to go through that. And just to see the joy and the look on his face right now, man, and, and what he has done over the last really two years. since They, you know, did well in the bubble last year. Right and then carried over into this year and, and competing with your team in regards to having the best record in the NBA, not just the Western Conference, uh, it's just been simply amazing. And look, I, in, in broadcasting, I had my good run with Steve Nash, obviously in the Mark Stoudemire years. And But this is probably the most gratifying to me because I'm watching young men grow up and understand how to win and, and finally getting it done.
1: And How much has uh, and, and I knew this before the when the the move happened? How much has Chris Paul added to you? Talk about leadership and and being a guy who plays at his own pace and makes everybody better. How much has he added to
3: this group? Well, he yeah he he's been been tremendous. But I think Chris Paul would agree with me that it started last year with a guy that obviously you're familiar with, and that's Ricky Rubio. Uh, Ricky started it. Uh, Ricky got Devin to really understand how to play off the ball, how to trust his teammates. Uh, and I think Chris Paul is just taking it to an obscene level and, and Chris Paul go down as one of the best point guards in the history of the game. And he has shown us how he could elevate a team if they listen to him, right? We can, we can really surmise maybe they didn't listen as much in, in LA when he's with the Clippers on a very talented team as they did in Oklahoma City, uh, last year and now this year in Phoenix. Uh, he, he just has a way about him. He has boundless energy, uh, with his mouth. He'll definitely either go into coaching or TV because he's always talking, but you got it. But it's a balance to him that, that the guys continue to listen to him. And what he has done for DeAndre Ayton uh, and Devin Booker has just been amazing. And, and Mikhail Bridges as well. Uh, he's helped lift them to a level to where, as you saw last night, where they go into L.A. and they're up 3-2. But, you know, a lot of people are thinking, okay, they're going to be happy going to go home for game seven and they're probably not going to think they can win. And lo and behold, they go up close to 25 in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's that's, that's Chris Paul. that That's him. That's, he, that's Chris Paul. That's Monty Williams just telling them, no, we can't give in. We have to continue to jump on him. And he has been great, man. He, he truly has. Uh, I'm happy for him, too, because he's had his disappointments in regards to the playoffs. And so he got injured early in this series. He showed his toughness by continually playing. And, you know, not still himself, but himself enough to help this team win games.
1: Well, they're definitely exciting to watch, and, uh, you know, it's 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 just been a fun year, especially after you talked about the bubble. It's been a fun year to watch these teams uh, rise to the top. But as you know, we are mourning, but now as well celebrating the life and career of the big fella, Mark Eaton. And I wanted to get, uh, you know, I had AD on earlier. I've got Daryl Griffith coming on, Ricky Green, you know all those names. Uh, Bob, yeah. Bobby Hanson, but I wanted to get someone from the from the other side, right? Someone who competed against Mark um, season after season and have you talk about what a force he was in that position as it compares to kind of the game now as you look back in, in, in our era, uh, what do you remember about Big Mark Eaton on the court?
3: You know, a guy that man' well, obviously imposing he's the he's the he's the biggest human i'd ever seen in my life <laughs> when i first <laughs> encountered him uh and it was my second year in the league he came in in 82, 83 uh when i saw him I was like this is the biggest individual i have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life and you know and he wasn't that you know mobile and you know he looked clumsy at times, and but, man, I mean, he was so intimidating. And, you know, 11 years on one team in one city. You know, we always talk about the greats that do it. But it says a lot about Mark and that Utah never wavered. They always wanted him. He always wanted to be there. And he always played a huge role for them. Uh, obviously one of the best shot blockers to ever play the game. Uh, and a guy that understood his role, a guy that did anything to win, uh, a guy that had a, a very good sense of humor, and, again, always professional on the court. Even when I'd go in there sometimes and I'd trick him and I'd flip it under his arms or I'd throw it over him <laughs> and, say, and say, get the next one. He'd just look at me and he wouldn't say anything. He'd just shake his head. He'd just shake his head. He'd like, this dude just won't shut up. <laughs> and I was so fearful. I was so fearful of him because I, I knew how I knew how much I could take him to, you right. know. And then, it, then it's like, okay, he might hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> so I would always tell him, you know, and, and you know this, right? Like, you know, teams would always try to hide like their offensive players on Mark, yeah. and and I probably guarded Mark Eaton uh, more than I guarded you, <laughs> you know. And and, and that's why I can say that he's the biggest human I've ever seen because I have pictures, man, of me like trying to stand there next to him and fight him off and try to block him out. And I'm like, I would be saying to myself, this is a waste of time. (laughs) I'm like, just please, please, God, just let the ball bounce somewhere else. (laughs) And, and, And I know it used to irritate him because, you know, it's like anything else. It's like, you know, and and I think we would get a dose of it say if Mugsy Bogues switched off on us, <laughs> right? I mean, we would be like, come on, man, get me the ball, man. I got this dude on me, you know? And oh, Mark it. never, he never really got upset that maybe he didn't get the ball when they put little guys on him, uh, anything like that. He would just go about his business and not be embarrassed about it, man. He was just so excited to be in the NBA uh the the road that he traveled to get there uh not knowing that he would be able to play and and probably thinking man I'm going to be walking around the face of the earth man and people going to be looking at me like I was a, like I was a basketball player and and I'm going to tell them I was a mechanic you know and <laughs> I don't even want to be in like I don't even I, you know and I always wanted to ask him that cuz I've had so many conversations with him uh, but I just didn't go there. Yeah. But you know, and 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 look, he and, and people are going to miss him worldwide because he's a tremendous motivational speaker. I was just, I got, I, I mean, I was hitting him for advice on because I was into that. I know you're into that, and I was hitting him for advice on on how he structured his stuff and 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 you know how did he get to the point he was? I mean, he was in such demand even after he played. And it just showed me just, you know, it just makes me fall back to what he gave up as a player in order to be a part of winning. And man, that was it. He he, he blocked my shot probably. You talk about blocking shots. He blocked my shot more than anybody in the history of my career. I mean, it's not even close. (laughs) It's not even close. I mean, so, and I used to always tell him that, man. It's like, you know, and the last, I think, back and forth I had with him was on Twitter. And maybe a month ago or something like that. And and I hate that I didn't get a chance to tell him how much he meant to me. Uh, because he went out of his way, girl. Uh Especially, I think, when we were done playing. And he would see me. And he would come over and he'd hug me and... He'd talk to me, he'd talk to my family, he'd ask me how things were going with me. And, you know, when you play, a lot of times you just don't know how a guy that you battle with, you know, reacts to you. Right. Because, you know, that was me between the lines. Like, when I would talk junk, walk past the bench and talk junk, that was just me really firing myself up and trying to mess with the psyche of an opponent that I knew was going to kick my butt most well, night.
1: I know Jerry Sloan and hated something- it. Yeah, and he and got on us for. Where
3: we <laughs> <laughs> Did he? Yes, he did.
1: Whenever you looked over. <laughs> I,
3: know. <laughs> I know And and I had the conversation with Jerry and I told Jerry, you know, before he passed. I told him. I said, "Man, I love you, man. I said, I wish oh, I could play yeah. for you." I said I said I, I know you probably got tired of me talking junk, but I said, "You know that that was just a part of me just puffing myself up." And <laughs> he laughed and he said, "Yeah, Eddie, I know." And and, and and Mark said the same thing, you know, it's like, please. I mean, you know, we had fun. And and every time I saw him, man, I hugged him and, and, and I just I just loved talking to him. And he he made an impact on me and, and it really hurts my heart that he's gone. Uh he's gone much too soon. Yeah. And and it it it's you know, I, I happened to be on the golf course when I got when I got the message and it just ruined my day. Uh, I just couldn't even play anymore. Uh, you know, uh, tears flowed. I just, you know, when one, when a, when a brother, man, that was in the fraternity you were in, and we've lost so many of them uh, thorough over these years, man, and, and it, it, it humbles you and just and makes you appreciate uh, your opportunity to wake up every morning. And God took a really good one, and yeah. Mark. E. he was making a difference, man, in people's lives and. You know, just his travels and, and talking to companies, and and standing up there, at seven foot four, and people looking at him like he's some kind of zoo character, and <laughs> and he, he he ate all of that, man. He, he he was always smiling, taking pictures, and it's just you know, it's a special dude, man. And I I just you know, my my thoughts are with his family, uh, you, his friends, his great friends who. You know who who was there for those battles man uh with him and, and and had to help him out and had to be patient with him at times when you know sometimes because he was so big and and maybe he missed that layup or you know he couldn't get to that spot but yet the full embodiment of him allowed you to just overlook it because you knew you knew him you knew that his heart was in it and Man, that's that's just a tough part, man, of this. And so, yeah, that's why I appreciate you even involving me with so many great people that play for the Jazz to just come on and be able to talk about it.
1: Well, Eddie, well said, man. Uh, What a great tribute to a great man. And we sure appreciate you stopping by. And uh, good luck to your Phoenix Suns, obviously. Till you meet the Jazz. Other
3: than other than against your Jazz. <laughs> That's right.
1: Eddie, you're, you're well, great.
3: I, I believe we'll be we'll be there. We're going to meet each other. We're both going to be in the conference finals, man. I think
1: I, you're I think right. It's going to be great. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah. Appreciate you, my brother. Bye.
3: All, Take bro. care, All Take right. Take care, Thurl. Take care of
1: yourself. That's All right. You too. The great Eddie Johnson, uh, great friend of Mark Eaton, great opponent for me in the Utah Jazz, and grateful to have him stop by. We'll be right back with our next guest. Mr. Bobby Hanson. Welcome back, everybody, to, to Thorough Talk. I'm Thurl Bailey, and today we are celebrating the career and life of a great man and a great NBA player, Mark Eaton. Uh, you've heard from a few of our guests. and uh, just heard from one of most the Jazz's most fierce opponents, in Eddie Johnson. I heard from Adrian Dantley and... Right now we're going to bring in a guy who came into the NBA when I did in 1983, Mr. Bobby Hanson. Bobby, how are you?
0: Earl, great to hear your voice, my friend.
1: <laughs> it's great to hear yours too, man, and uh, I sure appreciate you, you joining us today and Yeah, you're uh, welcome. And uh, Bobby, you again, you and I came in drafted you know. in that same year. Uh, to the Utah Jazz, uh, and I, I'm not sure if you were like me, but I didn't know a lot about the Jazz at that time. I didn't know that you know that they hadn't won a lot. You know, I probably didn't even know they had just moved recently, not too long before that from New Orleans. If I'd done my homework, probably because I was a late bloomer in basketball, I was just excited to be in the NBA. But um, yep. talk talk to me about those years. We'll we'll dive into Mark in just a second, but talk to me about yep. your interest in entrance into the nba and that rookie year for you and and uh how you came in feeling
0: yeah i'm with you thorough um you know coming out of college we graduated college and then you were a first round pick i think number seven yeah uh, picking this in the first round there after national championship crazy run there with with the coach falvano and and wittenberg and those guys so uh knew you um I'm, I'm watching the draft and i'm like i'm not a first round pick but Maybe the second round. Utah didn't have a second-round pick, but um, nobody, you know, not selected. So I remember uh, my wife, Mary, still a friend at the time. We're living there in Iowa City, and I remember going across the hall and say, well, looks like we got to get jobs. <laughs> you weren't drafted in the first two <laughs> rounds. So we'll go back in the room, and I saw Utah. Robert Hanson, guard, Iowa. I'm like, who's that? Oh, I'm like, that's me. <laughs> Drafted me as Robert, so seventh pick of the third round. So, um, all right, phone rings and I'm, I'm like, I know Utah. I know him a little bit because we took a family vacay ten years before that out to see the Great Salt Lake and all the way down into the Four Corners, Southern Utah. So I knew, I knew Utah, but I knew it was a long way from where, where we were at. After all, you were much longer than I was. Um, but anyway, knew the Great Salt Lake and, and um, Utah Stars back in the day, the yeah. ABA days with, with Booner. And uh, there's some uh, guys from Drake here in Des Moines, Iowa, who uh, Willie Wise, I think, was a star yep. on, on the Utah Star team. So I, 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 I did know them a little bit, but overwhelming um, to say the least. And Frank Layton was called. You get from the man, and uh, it's like, man, what you know? Tell me where to go, what to do, and um, we show up rookie camp, and we do our thing. And I made it out of rookie camp and, and joined the vets. And and it, it, you know, to, to transition a little bit, the Mark he was there early with us rookies. Right. I remember, and, and yeah, I remember seeing him the first time was like. Oh my goodness! I said, you're not uh, you're not in college anymore because that's the biggest <laughs> human being I think I've ever seen. That was a man. And he was wasn't kind it? of snarly too at first, wasn't <laughs> <line>. he? <laughs>
1: yes,
0: he was. He was tough on us, but he he, he, uh, he softened up, and then he was kind of our stretching leader, believe it or not. Remember, he was that's the guy. Right. He could stretch like like nobody could, and and. Uh, but he right there established himself as as the anchor on that team, and and just uh, think of that team right there. for we got the picture up on the wall. Mary uh, found it, and, and we put it up on the wall right in my office there. And, and uh, to look at those guys, we got the music, um, jazz, sweet music, or something. Yes, yes, we all uh-huh. have instruments. Uh huh. You're you're a music guy, and I didn't even know how to hold the trombone. <laughs> Rich Kelly played the trombone. He showed me how to do it. You look like you know what you're doing. Mark's <laughs> sitting at the drum set, and uh, Hot Rod's in the uh, Sparky in the tuxedo with Frank and Scott and Phil Johnson. I think that that was the crew right That's there in right. that picture. But, you know, AD mentioned. It. I knew he was the leading scorer in the league, had been injured. But everything came together that year, Carl, if you remember. Griff was, you know, playing at an all star level. Ricky Green was all star level at that time and and uh you just wanted for me, I just wanted to fit in i don't want to, i wanted to find a role, yeah, I don't care who it was the twelfth man on that team, but you know somehow get on that team and get to that the itinerary said the first shoot around, and I'm like, what the heck's a shoot around whatever it is I want to be there <laughs> that first game and uh Frank was coach of the year too that year, wasn't he that's right, yeah, that's crazy right. Mark yeah. blocking back there, so we gave it everything we had that year and that Midwest division champs It had been a long time. And, and to me, thorough, I think that that set the foundation for the successes no in the future for the
1: Utah jazz. No question about it. And you talk about you making your mark. You, you certainly did. You became a starter for the Utah jazz, um, as you progressed with this team. And I want to, I want to, you know, as you watch the game today and you think about how, mark really impacted our team and the game itself uh talk to me about the kind of those comparisons between what mark was able to bring to the game versus maybe how the game has changed because he was so impactful i I said at the start of the show one of the most frequent words used was help me help me and we were all talking to mark
0: yeah yeah you knew the big man was behind you no doubt And uh, he was like that Wasatch range right behind you there on the east side of Salt Lake. You knew that big fella had your back. And, and he had your back, you know, whether it's out on the street or wherever you were, uh, the big fella there. And, uh, you know, that's something that I don't see those big guys in, in the game now. And, and I've talked to uh, another teammate, Bill Cartwright, yeah. about that, another big guy that, that was impactful and, and a leader. And, and uh, we talked about Luca Garza, uh, the Iowa guy. Uh, national player of the year, where, where maybe does he fit into the NBA? I, I think Billy, Billy, uh, Bill said, Luke can score 40 because they just give up layups to throw it out to three-point shots. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. Um, defense, you know, the freedom of movement and all that defense. I think teams that play defense like Utah can win it all. Um, I don't I don't think you can rely on just shooting threes and getting all out there, but but Mark was, Mark was the defensive anchor. And, and believe it, you know, he was a good free-throw shooter, too. So when he got the ball inside, it wasn't hard for Mark to, to get the ball to Mark. And he made such a big target inside. You're well, mailman as well. You guys were great post-up guys, and you made our job easier throwing the ball in there. The other thing that Mark did, and, and when you took the, basket, took the ball to the basket, Mark would clear out the way for you. And That's you knew right. he was going to hold his guys off when you drove that baseline and dunk it or whatever you could get to the rim of the way you know back then it was how close did you get to the rim yeah now it's all about the threes as you mentioned but you know you passing up those you had to take two or three dribbles in that mid-range game or, or get all the way to the basket but you knew the big fella was was always there and, and the other thing that i laughed i was about mowing on the tractor the other day and thinking about the big fella <laughs> we would stand out there and i don't know frank or jerry came up with a play i think don nelson did it to try to expose the zone defenses
2: yes yes
0: uh, mark and i would stand out there and yell zone zone
1: i remember mark would, pointing, mark would be pointing mark
0: would <coughs> <laughs> yeah, be pointing yeah be pointing that guy can't go over that way so like how crazy the game has evolved but those are, those are some good memories that make me smile
1: well i remember uh some memories of being on the road, even though you may not have been able to play the trombone, you were, you were in the music, right? And I remember occasions where you and Mark and I would, we'd be in Chicago or somewhere and, and uh, we'd find a, a club to go to where there was live music playing. And uh, yeah, I remember his appreciation for that. Um, expound on the, on some of those memories, if you will.
0: Yeah, it, it's, there's so many thorough and, and it was, it was like, part of the day you yeah. know our days were pretty scripted shoot around lunch go to lunch pregame meals you know we're on your own and we'd go eat some pasta and then the game and get the cab and go over early and, and then post game mark always had a spot he, he knew somebody i knew somebody you knew somebody um and you met him have to work for a little while because you know now they're chartering out of there yeah. getting those teams out of there but back then man we were we were able to stay in the cities and and see friends and meet new friends and and enjoy each other's company, get to know each other a lot. And, um, I can remember some of the trips into New York city, uh, as well. And and two week road trips, Frank would take us on right before Christmas time. So you got to see, you know, the city in in all its splendor at Christmas and just hanging out, man, just hanging out with the guys and, and finding something to do to kill some time. And hopefully for the most part, staying out of trouble and, uh, the big guy was, was there as our as our guardian a lot of times. But you're right; he loved the, the blues bars and the jazz bars of uh, of Chicago. Uh, we they, we only got to go in there one time a year. We make the most
1: of it. Yes, we did. And you know, Bobby, uh, as we celebrate Mark and his accomplishments, uh, not just as a player, but yeah. as a man, you yeah. know, he he ended up being uh, an author. He authored a book called The Four Commitments a couple of years ago, and got out on the speaking circuit as a motivational speaker which is a sight to see in itself but but um i i think you would agree that we could see that leadership uh, because i know that's what i learned when i first got here and i felt that heavy arm on my around my shoulder um it, it was he was a an amazing force to be reckoned with on the court but man he had a he had a great heart he was willing to help you and do anything that you needed um, and that didn't stop after he retired
0: no and that that's crazy and, that, and that's what I've been telling people uh, around here is that Mark stayed connected you know he didn't you know go away or just kind of do his thing on his own he stayed connected he showed up at the at the arena and, and was there mentoring now mentoring Rudy gobert you know and all, all the great blocks and defensive plays that Rudy is bringing to the Jazz, leader of our, our retired players association too, Thurl as the president. Yes. He did his stint, and and the guys he knew from college, and and the new guys. I heard Kenny Smith talking about you know meeting Mark when he was a young a rookie coming in, meeting them you know pregame. We could talk a little bit. Jerry didn't like us fraternizing with the, the other team at all, but you know every now and then you could sneak in on what's up with the guys. Uh, with right. Mark, Mark. Yeah, Mark really, he enjoyed that. He enjoyed getting to know everybody and the other big guys on on the uh, the court. Cause, yeah, and, 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 you know, he stayed with it. I mean, you're a restaurant guy. You're, you're doing the TV stuff He just, and the speaking. I got to, Mark came to Des Moines, and he reached out to me about five, six years ago. He had a speaking engagement to the Electrical Contractors Association, a big group, 1,000 thousand guys around the state of Iowa. And I, and I knew a lot of these guys. And it's like, Mark, what are you what do you tell these guys about business? And he said, what I, my speech has evolved into teamwork, being a good teammate, and then we tell stories inside the locker room and, and some of the fun stuff that, that they, these people do not get to ever be a part of. Right. Um, they're great, successful business people, but Mark was able to translate those lessons of being a good teammate and, and, a, and a friend to these uh, high-level business leaders. I, I think it was awesome.
1: Well, Bobby, you were definitely a great teammate and a great friend to me and continue to be. Um I've got to ask you though, you won an NBA championship in nineteen ninety two with the Chicago Bulls. Uh yeah. and a guy, I can't remember his name. Oh yeah, and a guy, Michael Jordan, right? Um as you watch yeah. as you watch the playoffs right now, as you as you watch this jazz team perform and other teams like the Suns, um, what, what are you seeing now? What are you seeing? I know we talked about the three-point shot, but uh, the, as, yeah. as far as the game goes.
0: Yeah, what I see now is incredible talent, Thurl, in, in the young guys. You just saw John Morant. He looked the closest to Jordan as I've ever seen anybody in this series now. Utah wear him down, and, and but... Some of the shots that he was making, I didn't know he was that good. Yeah. Um, I'd seen him in college, but he had that Jordan-esque ability to, to take contact, hang in the air, and, and complete the play. Uh, Devin Booker, kid at Phoenix, I'm like, wow. you know, that, that, That's talent right there, and that's young talent that's going to you know, help us old guys as, as we move into retirement and, and the, the whole pension world. is going to keep the NBA strong. Burrell and donovan mitchell um rudy gobert and, and, and those those young guys on, on utah has and there's a lot of them in the league and and the ones that will rise to the top are the ones that can put that team together stay together as a team have each other's back like like we did back in the day and and uh, yeah but i am you know yeah they shoot a lot of threes and, and it's exciting and fun but you buckle down on defense a little bit. And then uh, this incredible talent that the league has, it, it, it's in good hands, put it that way.
1: How good of a shot does the Jazz have to bring one home this year?
0: It, yeah, yeah. they got the Obviously, the, the, the huge huge thing is the number one seed, I think, with the, the crowds now back at, uh, what do they call it, Vivint Arena, yep. I believe. Um, yeah, you get them back in there, and the place looks great on TV, and you know how crazy loud it can get in there. And, and uh, I think they got, you know, they got, I, I see Utah coming out of the West and probably Brooklyn. So you got Utah, Brooklyn in, in the finals there. And uh, you got the big man looking out for Utah over the top of them.
1: I love it. Bobby, always great to talk to you. I know I'll be seeing you soon as we continue to celebrate Mark's career and his life. And um, my best to you and Mary and the family. And you take care of yourself, my brother.
0: Well, thank you. Look forward to seeing you. Alrighty.
1: That's Bobby Hansen, my teammate with the Utah Jazz, a champion with the Chicago Bulls, conversating on the life and legacy of the great Mark Eaton. We'll be right back on Thorough Talk. Welcome back, everybody, to Thorough Talk. I'm Thorough Bailey, and we are celebrating the life and career of a great man an awesome nba player uh, mark eaton spent his entire career with the utah jazz and in 875 games he scored 5216 points grabbed 6939 rebounds and blocked 3064 shots uh, and at the time of his retirement he ranked second all time in the league and blocked shots behind kareem abdul jabbar um I want to bring in one of this. Really, is the first guy when I was drafted by the Utah Jazz. Again, coming out of North Carolina State, being a winner, uh, being drafted into the NBA, the Utah Jazz selected me the seventh pick in the first round. So I'm excited to come into Utah, right? I, you know, there wasn't a way like to go online and check out how the team had been doing or anything like that. So I just came in kind of blind, like you know, I'm ready to win another championship. And the first person, the first teammate that pulled me aside was a man named Darryl Griffith. Now, Darryl had been the second overall pick for the Utah Jazz in 1980 NBA draft. Um, and the Jazz had recently moved to Salt Lake City from New Orleans. And Darryl Griffith, Griffith pulled me aside and said, listen, <laughs> I know you're just coming off a championship. Because yeah, Darryl had won one with Louisville. He said, "But uh, you know, you need to, you need to uh, kind of come back to reality here because it's been it's been a tough tough ride here for the Jazz, and hopefully you can help us turn this thing around." I want to introduce the great Doctor. Duncan Stein, Daryl Griffith. Daryl, thanks, man, for joining us.
4: Thanks, Chief. Thanks for having me on, man. You
1: remember that conversation you had with me?
4: Yeah, man. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, I wanted to level your expectations. <laughs> Cause my first two years with the jazz was the worst in, in professional sports for me, you know, but the acquisition of yourself and adding Mark and later on, you know, uh, John and Carl, you know, we, we turned things around, uh, the year you got here, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was an uphill battle for the three years prior to that, man, uh, two years prior to that. And then you got here and we, we were on the right path to, uh, Going to the playoffs. I mean, see when we went to the playoffs, man, that was, to me it was almost like winning a, winning the national championship. <laughs> it was, it was but <laughs> <laughs> man, it was it was it was just just to be a winner again, man. You know, just it's, it, it was just a, such an, a great feeling to see them hang the banner up and uh, to see the pieces that were put together to get us in a, a direction that we needed to go in.
1: Well, Griff, uh, you know, before we jump into Mark, I want to talk about that time for you because, listen, the Jazz were looking for another star to replace Pete Maravich, and obviously you accepted that challenge. But you came in. You came in NBA ready, averaging a little over 20 points a game in that first year. Um, And with pieces after that, like AD and, and Mark and Ricky, I mean, even before I got there, could you see that there was a light Sort of, not a light from a train, obviously, but a light at the end of a tunnel that you guys were progressing.
4: Yes, uh, you know, didn't see that light the first year, yeah, at all. I <laughs> it mean, was I always tell the story dark. that <laughs> at, 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 it was dark. It was it was so dark that I I, I, I called uh, Frank Layton up and uh, told him I was going to be in Salt Lake City and I would like to meet with him. So we met at Frank's favorite place, which is remember two guys from Italy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It
4: was, we met at that restaurant and, you know, we sitting there talking a while and then we got to visit. He said, okay, great. What are you out here for us said, Frank. I, I'm not used to winning, uh, you know, only 2,500 people in the stands. And, you know, I, I just, I want to come talk to you man to man, face to face and asking you trade me? Frank took a sip of his coffee and, did a piece of the uh, Italian bread and looked at me and said, can you take me with you? <laughs> 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 uh, I, knew I, was, I knew I was there for the long haul after that. And he, he, he began to explain to me that, hey, you know, you're a part of the piece that we're trying to build. He said, hey, you 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 got my commitment that uh I'm going to try to put some pieces around you, you know, and then, you know, you came and Mark came and, and we put the pieces together. So, you know, a- after that, you know, we seen some light. And uh, uh, we were relentless and we were hungry, T, because, you know, when you you used to win winning, then you're at the bottom of the pit, man. You you want to get back out of it, man. So, uh, yeah. you know, thank God for, for what Frank did.
1: Well, when you're building anything that resembles a winning team, you have to have an anchor, don't you? And you have to have yeah. someone who is – going to protect in the middle in the paint. And you talk about a, a guy like Mark. Uh, we all know his humble beginnings as a mechanic and deciding whether he was going to even play this game. But uh, when was your first encounter uh, with the big fella?
4: Well, when he came into gym, I looked at him. I was like, oh my God, this dude is huge. <laughs> and, uh, and then he started to run and I was like, hmm, you know, because, <laughs> you know, Mark had them big old, big old Paul Bunyan steps, you know. <laughs> and, and and so, you know, there was some question and some doubt, you know. Uh, but I remember, I'll never forget this comment that Frank made. He said, you can't teach height. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why he got Mark. Uh, and to see Mark Thurl blossom to what he became was just a, a, a sight to see, man. I mean, you know, if you've seen him now, when, when I first seen him, to what he became, unbelievable.
1: Well, it's it's uh, it, it's interesting. Back then, I mean, what does that say for an NBA team? Because a lot of people think like when you come to the NBA, you got to be ready already, right? I mean, so yeah. what does that say about the the? the organization, the developmental side of how Mark went from that kind of stumbling, as you call it, Paul Bunyan steps to, to the, the dominant big fellow that he became.
2: It,
4: it says a lot it, it, for Frank's vision, you know, as a coach and general manager uh, you know, you got to be able to piece things together. And, and Mark was a, was a, you know, he was the anchor, you know, he he saves a lot of our butts. <laughs> help me, help me. You know, help me look up marks there. You know, and I remember his coming out party, uh, Thurl Man, when he blocked about I think nine or ten shots against Dallas Mavericks, and I'm like, man, he's, you know, he let nothing come through here. And and you you gotta understand that block shots is just a stat that is on paper. Right, It's what he altered. <laughs> And, and may other players think twice about is a stat that you can't even put on paper.
1: Yeah, we talk about that with with what Rudy does now for the Jazz. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And, as you look at the game today, you know how it's changed, and and maybe in some ways how it stayed the same. How important is that anchor position that a guy like Mark carried then, and and also how Rudy's carrying it now. Uh. It,
4: That anchor position is good to have a big man now like Rudy that's athletic. Uh, You know, you, you would have to, you know, I think Mark could have played in that era. Mark's problem would have been having to guard another big man that can shoot the three. Right you know, coming out of the floor. And I will recall a game of you, Thurl, that sticks out of my mind that we were exploited that. We were up three games to one against Don Nelson's Golden State Warriors. Yep. And Don Nelson made a change to where any man that you and Mark Eaton were guarding, he ran a high pick and roll. You remember that? I do. And they they came back and beat us three straight games.
1: Yeah, I remember. (laughs) I will never forget that. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, and we ended, ended up having to take Mark out.
1: That's right, and that they kind of started that era of of yeah you know, bringing the the shot blockers out to so mm-hmm. dominate the paint. Absolutely.
4: Yeah, because you know the whole philosophy was, and, and looking back at that whole series, I was like, you know, Don Nelson made a great move. You know, you take a seven foot away from the basket, he becomes small. He becomes six yep. six. <laughs>
2: That's right.
4: Yeah, so I remember that game. I felt bad for the big fella because we wanted him in the game, but he he was he, he came of a liability based on the, the the changes that Don Nelson made. It was a great move on his part. Yeah, uh, made a long summer for us, but it was a great move on his part.
1: Well, okay, let's talk about the man. Let's talk about Mark Eaton as we knew him off the court. I mean, I it, with such a huge imposing body, I'm not sure you could have found a just a kinder, gentler heart than a man.
4: Mark was a good, he was just a good person. He was, he was just, I mean, you know, he, it, it's just, it's hard to even say it. People don't realize how inviting Mark was based on his presence. And, and once you talk to him, you felt comfortable being around him. You know, he knew everything about everybody that he, that he uh, encountered as far as uh, uh, like our, his teammates and stuff, but just, Regular people, he just made everybody feel welcome, man. And and he was just such a likable guy. He had nothing good thing to say about Mark.
1: Yeah, he will be missed, and you know a lot of great moments that we had together. And you know, as I think about kind of how players and teams today in the NBA travel, right? They're in one city and they they're out that same night. I mean, ours was different. We flew commercial early in our careers and. We had time to spend with each other, didn't we? We had time to to, yeah. to go to clubs and listen to jazz and, and and learn about each other's family. What do you remember about those those days?
4: Well, first of all, I always recall Mark going through the airport and people asking Mark how tall he was. And he got so tired of it, he started answering in centimeters. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Instead of saying 7'4", he would say it in centimeters. And people look have a this profound look on their face. Trying to and figure I also that math out. Remember, yeah, I ain't figured it out yet. <laughs> so check this out. I don't know if you remember that when we used to go to the airport, they used to have the old T V that hung up high. We would always ask Mark, big fella, find out what gate we are at. And he would go up and point to the screen. He'd put his hand on the screen. <laughs> we would have to jump to touch it. And he just looked up and touched it and said, hey, we're at gate six, or eight, gate seven. You know, so the times like then were just so, so important with Mark. You know, so fun that that, that we look back on and, and, uh, you know, they're looking back, you know, the fact that we didn't travel uh, private the time that we had to spend together. Uh, it, it gave us a lot of time to, to, to go out and venture out and see the cities. And, and we had time to go out to eat and just hang out. And, you know, I, the, the really the year that stood out to me, probably one of my most entertaining, the most funnest year in, in professional sports that I played with the Jazz was, when we played eleven home games in Vegas, that's right. That was such a fun year, and that was a year we ended up winning the uh, uh, either the year out or the year after we won the Midwest Division title. But that was such a fun year. You know, we really got to hang out and have a good time, and be in a major city as the home team, and and uh, you know just to see how uh, the fans will react to us, and especially Mark because he was just he was just a tall figure in the league. And, and I know I remember going out to E. Mark one night. He just he he got a real good kick out of it. It reminded him of California being out in Vegas.
1: Yeah, I'm, as a matter of fact, I think Kareem broke his scoring record. Yep, over the outstretched he broke hands of Big Mark. Skyhook. Uh, yep, down to Smack Arena. Yep, well, those are fun years for sure. Yeah, uh, and 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 think lastly, Stein, uh, as you remember, Mark, I mean, as you know, a Mark after his playing career was trying to invent himself and try to figure out what he was going to do. And all those things that that he learned during his playing career basically built a platform for him to go out and teach other people. Released a book a few years ago um, called The Four Commitments. As a matter of fact, I think I remember him telling me he had a speaking engagement in Louisville and he reached out to you as well. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I think we saw that in Mark. We saw that leadership coming out in, out in him as we played with him and as we spent time with him and knew that post-career that he was going to do just fine.
4: Yeah, Mark, Mark always was thinking ahead, a thorough. You know, we we would get into conversations and we'd be like, you know, Mark's thinking outside the box. He would bring interesting uh, intellect to conversations that you would always had with him. It wasn't all about basketball. Right. He was thinking about things outside of basketball that you listen to because the way he delivered it to you as a friend, and uh, so his mindset was always thinking, you know, when I retire, what I'm, on, what am I going to do, you know? And he he put that on my mind, you know. We we always got to think about, uh, you know, after basketball because we knew it wasn't going to last forever. So I wasn't surprised on Mark's career afterwards, you know, how he invented himself because Thurl, it's the exact same thing he did when he came to the Jazz. That's he right. invented himself. That's right. Great
1: point. So, so
4: I'm gonna miss Mark, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's it was a long day for me, man. When I got the call, I, I, you know, I, I broke into tears. T, I ain't gonna lie, man. I, you know, as yeah. we always call him the big fella, man. You, you never, you never expected that, man. And that's gonna be. I'm gonna miss him.
1: I will too. And I, I had just, uh, he was at the the first. Playoff game, the Jazz. Uh, As a matter of fact, he called out to my wife, Cindy, and they sat down, and he was talking about how he was about to reinvent himself because of COVID had affected the the speaking business. He was going to start doing a lot of seminars and things online. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, he had so, so much more to give. But I wanted to end end with, uh, you know, the Jazzer. I know you've been keeping an eye on the playoffs, and the Jazz are doing a great job. They just got through – first round with Memphis. Um, what do you think, how do you think their chances are as they move forward into playing Dallas or the Clippers?
4: I think they got an excellent chance against anybody because they're such an unselfish team and they just play off each other. And they can shoot the lights out the ball, T. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they're, they're unselfish amongst each other. They don't care who gets off. You know, they just want to win, and then you got uh, Ro- uh, uh, Gobert and Miller with his with his athleticism, and you know he he just plays. He take takes what he he gets, and 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 you look at the stats at the end of the game. You know, he's on stuff to stats, and and Donovan's shooting the lights out. His confidence is just going crazy, and, and everybody's feeding off of that. I mean, it's it's they fun team to watch. <laughs> they
1: are they are, and speaking I mean, of a real
4: fun team to watch.
1: and speaking of reinventing himself, I mean when you came in the league griff uh and and I know I wasn't there, but I'm not sure you were shooting it from the parking lot like you ended up doing as your career went on. I mean, you set an n b a record for the most three pointers made in a single season, and it was ninety one at that time <laughs> how how- yeah. how amazing is it to see what those numbers are now with players and and how important the three point shot is.
4: Well, uh, the year before I broke the record, I made 10 three-pointers. Frank told me, he said, you got range. We're going to start using that line. for uh, If the line's out there for a reason, we're going to start using the line. Then next year, I broke the NBA uh, record, and the following year, I broke my own record. And now, you know, uh, Steph Curry, he, he made – I broke the record in 91. Steph made that in a month. <laughs> <laughs> took, took me a year to do it. He did it in a month. <laughs> So it's, oh, it's 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 amazing the way the way the way the game is gone. It is.
1: Griff, thanks for stopping by, my man, and uh, all the best to you and all that you're doing. And appreciate you helping helping to celebrate Mark's life and his legacy. And and we look forward to seeing you down the road, my friend.
4: Sounds good, my brother. Send everybody my best, man. Tell them we're praying for the fam.
1: I will. I will. All thanks, right, see, Griff. Be safe, bro. All, all right. right. That's Darrell Griffith. I call him Stein, short for Duncan Stein. Great man, great friend, great tribute to the great Mark Eaton. You're listening to Thurl Talk. We will be right back with Mr. John Stockton. Welcome back, everybody. This is Thurl Talk. I'm Thurl Bailey, and today we are honoring the the life and the legacy of a great man, a great basketball player, in Mark Eaton. And uh, you know, I just thought it would be a good tribute to him, to a man who gave me so much, especially when I came into the league. Uh, We told you a little bit about his basketball career. Maybe what you didn't know was after he graduated from high school, Mark attended uh, Arizona Automotive Institute in Glendale, California, and graduated as an automotive service technician. And he returned to Orange County and worked as an auto mechanic, making about $20,000 a year. Um... And then he was discovered by Coach Tom Lubin while he was repairing cars in Anaheim in 1977. And and as the story goes, he went to Cyprus, decided to play basketball. And uh, after he was four years removed already from high school, so he actually was eligible to be drafted Drafted 107th pick. Wow, that, that sounds really weird, 107th pick. In 1979, NBA draft, went to UCLA, didn't play a whole lot. What changed his life, and Mark would tell this story um, obviously to thousands and thousands of people in his speaking career. But what changed his, turned his life around in in basketball was at a pickup game, and Wilt Chamberlain saw him frustrated and basically went out and told Mark that he didn't need to be chasing quicker guards around, just know what you have, and you stand right there in the paint and do your job. And Mark talked about that and how that changed his life. Um, Again, Mark changed my life when I first came into the jazz in 1982-83. And following that draft in 1983-84, another young man came onto the scene for the jazz and I remember the day he was drafted I remember uh, this kind of bewildered audience wondering what a Gonzaga was first of all and that's when John Stockton was drafted by the Utah Jazz joining me now you know too many accolades to, to even name he wouldn't want that anyway but I'm going to introduce him as my teammate and my friend John Stockton John welcome to welcome to the show my friend.
5: Thanks, Big T. It's
1: Good to be here. Uh, as you know, we're we're here trying to honor the big fella. It still hurts, you know, not having him around. Had so much to give, but I want to just jump right into it. You know, when I came in the league, I talk about uh, the first arm that went around me—a heavy arm, by the way. I turned around; it was an imposing figure, Mark Eaton, who welcomed me into the league, and uh, and then from then on, just helped me mature and and grow into an nba player talk about your coming into the league and and your first introduction to the big fella
5: kind of the same thing you guys had just won the midwest division championship the year before and i came in i'm nobody i got booed at the draft and and um, i come walking into this big banquet you had in the middle of the summer and first two guys i mean you you obviously um followed his lead I guess from what I'm hearing there but there was two guys that came up to me and made me feel immediately at home the one was you and one was the big fella and and um, you know you see a big man walking over to you like that and you, you just kind of expect him to be big and awkward and you know all the stereotypes that come with with I guess being big and he was just none of those things he was warm a gentleman confident uh welcoming you know it was literally like uh like it was my uncle waiting for me. Gosh, you finally got here. You finally got here, you know, and I, I just remember um, uh, how amazed I was that this great player, this this mountain of a man, could be such a gentleman.
1: Well, I think he kind of got that awkwardness out you know, a few years before you and I got there because uh, there were countless times, as you well know, uh, that we would have to holler, help me, help me. And, and everybody knew who we were talking about. We're talking about Mark Eaton saving our butts in many a games, John.
5: He did. No, he called, He said it was, his job was to shut down I-15. And <laughs> I-15, for those of you who don't play, is when it, people seem to get all the way to the basket with ease like a freeway. And uh, it started out, he just had our back all the time. I got you. I got you. I'm here. He'd talk to you. You'd feel him back there. and what it ultimately did, I think, was just give you confidence and knowing, hey, there's no reason for me not to even extend pressure, not to no reason not to play this guy, just kind of almost overplay your man because even if they do go by you, they're not going to do anything. They're going to have to reach deal with Mark. So um, in addition to getting our back, there became some synergy with it to where it, was, it enhanced our ability to play defense individually. He helped us in so many ways, not just blocking shots.
1: Yes, he did, and you know john uh as I sometimes like to kind of reminisce those days, you knew me as far as technology goes, right if something new came out i i I dove into it i, I bought it i whether it's a it was a, a new c d player or a cassette player or whatever now I'm aging myself but as you look at. Um, the things that we didn't necessarily have te- technologically back then, I look at it as it, it really helped bring us closer together, right? We didn't have, you know, the, the headphones and things like that. But talk about that, those kind of things as we traveled, how we communicated and how, you know, Mark was a big part of that and how we got to know each other in that way uh, back during that time. NBA time.
5: Yeah, I think it was different. I think it's a a sad thing that it's been lost. Uh, But yeah, win, lose, or draw, you hop on that bus and you have to walk by the coaches and have, we used to call them the suit and tie guys, um, kind of uh, in a friendly way. But the suit and tie guys, you walk past them and you find your seat on the bus and not always happy. I mean, you walk them in after a loss or you play poorly or both and um, you're not happy. And the bus rides weren't always short. Sometimes we went from one city to another after the game and um at some point the quiet you kind of reach out to the guy across the aisle from you or the guy behind you and that spreads to two rows in front or in back and pretty soon you're having conversation and you really you get to know what makes guys tick you, you you become a family i know that's that's such an overused term probably but it's in fact what happens on that bus and and i've heard more than one player myself would be definitely included in this bunch is when they finish playing, what they really miss are the bus rides. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, to, that camaraderie is irreplaceable in life, and at least I haven't been able to find it at that level at any anywhere else. And it's a really special time for me.
1: Well, you know, I had uh, Ad on earlier, I had Griff on earlier, and Bobby Hansen and we were talking about some of those those road trips and those times, and you know, some of those we we, we asked Mark what gate we were at. He'd go up. None of us could reach the TV. He'd go up and just point, <laughs> point to the gate with his finger. <laughs> so some some really good memories. Um, let's kind of move into really what Mark Eaton was building as he was, you know, one with a great story. But as a player, I think we could start to see that leadership role coming out in him. And and he ended up building a platform to where he could use that to be able to teach other people. Um, his book, uh, The Four Commitments, that came out a few years ago. And um, it was so interesting because when I thought about writing a book, I know you, you're you an author as well. I The first person I went to was Mark, one, because he was here locally, but just took me through the process. But, um, you know, he really became reinvented himself really as, as he retired from basketball and into a different world. I'm not sure I ever saw Mark, especially with how imposing he is, right? You see a guy like that up on stage, you can't help but but pay attention to him. But he became an amazing, amazing speaker, motivational speaker.
5: He did. I had an opportunity. He had a, he had one engagement here in Spokane and I was lucky enough to go see it. And, uh, it's pretty neat to see a teammate who you, you know you went to so many battles with and just flow into this other life and how confident he was up there and, and how he used his experiences. It was so matter of fact. I mean it's literally you couldn't you couldn't argue it. Yeah. Um, he had the experiences. Uh, he could articulate them perfectly. he had spent a lot of time you know crafting it and recrafting it and recrafting it. Um, and I'm sure he was even better years later after after that one because he continued to improve just like he did as a player. But um, him standing up there imposing, and again, I think people are, are set back. They expect something out of a giant, yeah. and what they get is a gentleman with extreme intelligence and confidence, and um, and there's a gentleness to it. And I don't know. I just thought he was um, it was irresistible to watch and listen to.
1: Wow that's a great word. Uh, and John you spent all of your career obviously here with the Utah Jazz um and and as rare as, rare as that is these days because of well an impatient league one and maybe players not turning out to be what the organization thought there's so much movement um you know Mark was the same way what does that say what does that say to you about the his development but also the organization's patience in the, in, in in helping to develop This big guy, you know, uh, Griff brought up a well-known quote by Frank, "Is you can't teach height. But um, Mark was able to develop into this force to be reckoned with. And a lot of that, I think, is in tribute to the patience of what the jazz organization and Coach Layton and, and Jerry Sloan were.
5: Without question, I think I, I think Frank Layton deserves a, a major tip of the hat for this. To see, I mean, so, so much of athletics, as you know, Thurl is is having a coach that appreciates what you do and can see the value in what you do. Well, you know, whether you're a scorer or whether you're not, and uh, Frank saw something in this in that kid and uh, and stuck with it and stuck with it. The, the organization allowed. I mean, you talk about an impatient league is. It's one thing to have a coach that would do that. It's another one to have an organization that would, I guess, wear a few losses or wear a, wear a less than stellar season to to really see if that they can get the outcome that they want. Yeah. Um, you, know, you mentioned impatient. So Frank deserves a ton of credit. Jerry, too, uh, it didn't come in a day. That, nobody wanted him. <laughs> he he goes all the way through college. Nobody wanted him and here. And Frank Layden takes a chance on him. I mean, how, that doesn't make much sense. He's tough to defend at the, at the year end meeting. So, um, what Mark did was his job, uh, uh-huh. I think you see him as a big guy in the back, and he just guarded the fort. But uh, I've seen videos of him since, and he was—he's quick as a cat. He he pounced. It was you know like one of those spiders that sits in the hole, and then all of a sudden, bam! They're on you, and he's on you, big with long arms and and aggression. And um, yeah, I, I think that his, his talents were were undervalued around the league, but not at not at Utah.
1: Well, John, what what will you miss the most about? What we call the big fella.
5: You know what's been uh, striking me a lot lately, Thoreau, is it, is, is I know it's going to sound funny, but it was almost a giggle. You know, like like when you when you're you talk with somebody and you um, there's something like they got, maybe maybe got away with something sneaky and they have a sneaky <laughs> little giggle. Mark had that. It, it's part of his laugh, but it's not as all our every day. <laughs> it had a, it had a giggle to it. And that's what I keep hearing in, in my, uh, in my mind as I think about him a lot is that the smile and the, and that little big man giggle that he did. And, uh, you know, I know that sounds a little bit corny, but, but that's what I am remembering the most.
1: Well said my man, I need to ask you as, as we're heavily into the NBA playoffs, um, what are you thinking about this this Jazz team's chances?
5: Well, they sure look good now. I yeah. mean, you you know how playoffs are. It's it's um, it's the toughest time of the year, and the the stakes get up get up. They grow every every game, every series, and that scouting and having teams that uh, know you like they know themselves. By the time that seventh game rolls around. Um, that makes every step more difficult. Having said that, they seem very well prepared. Uh, they do seem very well coached. Uh, they're playing well together, and they pass the ball, which I think is unique. You know, it's not they're not relying on one guy every every minute to carry the load. They move the ball around, and and guys aren't afraid to deliver when they get their opportunity. So I think the sky's the limit for them. Uh, I don't want to try to jinx them or. or uh, you know, put undue, undue expectations anywhere, but I think their expectations are to win the thing. So, um, you know, obviously wishing them luck, and we're rooting for them up here in Spokane.
1: Well, they've got a great anchor in the middle, and Rudy Gobert, and Rudy has definitely uh, come out and talked about his relationship with Mark Eaton and how he mentored him when he got here to, to go out and, and play his role, really like uh, like Will Chamberlain did for him. But John... Uh obviously I really appreciate the opportunity that I had to to be with Mark and and with you and all the guys back then. I, I don't I don't take that for granted, but I sure appreciate you coming on and talking about uh your experiences with him and, and what he meant to you as well. So Big fella's gonna rest easy and you know, know he's He's doing good things beyond here and uh, just appreciate you taking the time to come on.
5: Uh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. It's uh, We all have heavy, have a very heavy heart right now um, and we loved our big fella.
1: Yes, we did. Thanks, John. Well, I know I'll see Thanks, you soon. Easy. You take care. Love to the family.
5: Yeah, You too, Thrill. Thanks. All
1: right, all right, buddy. Bye-bye. That was my good friend and former teammate, John Stockton and as we close this episode in tribute to the legacy and the life and the career of Mark Eaton, um, I, I had a very special moment. It actually wasn't with, I, I was with Mark at the time, but I remember it so well because it was just a funny moment for me and it, it gave me kind of a sense of how I looked at him. Uh, Mark loved the outdoors and my wife and I invited him Uh, to go. My wife's from Richfield, Utah. I'm sure some of you listeners know where that is. Wherever I go, there's always somebody from there. Um, But my wife's family, uh, her dad owned about 500 head of cattle and had some horses. And I married into that. So I had to go get used to it and uh, invited Mark to go on a cattle drive. And so Mark had his own horse and he he uh, arrives with this horse, and it was half Clydesdale, which if it was half of anything else other than a Clydesdale, that horse wouldn't have made it. But Mark was just this imposing figure, and I remember him jumping on that horse, and I saw him in a different light than I'd ever seen him before um, because, one, he made the horse look small, and I swear that horse looked at me and and, and spoke to me in a Jerry Sloan voice, can you get this big guy off of me? And I remember giggling at that time. Mark never knew that. I never shared it with him. But I looked at Mark as a larger-than-life figure, even though he was a friend to me and a brother. Uh, I just, uh, I just held him in such esteem. Not just when he played with us on the on the court. But even after his career, as he reinvented himself and developed into an amazing motivational speaker, he had so much more to give. He was taken from us way too early, but I know God has other plans for him. So as we sign off for this episode, Mark, you rest easy. Our thoughts go out to Terry Eden, his wife, and their blended family that, uh, that they know that Mark really had an amazing effect on thousands and thousands of lives out there, and will continue to be. So we honor him, and thank you for listening to Thorough Talk, and we'll talk to you real soon. Have a great day.